Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Friday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I discuss trending draft topics and share our thoughts on some of the top prospects. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Signs with you, and on the line, joining me for today's episode is NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy. And since we are less than two weeks away from the 2019 NFL Draft, I wanted to have him on to bring some perspective and all that good stuff. So, Jarrell, thanks for making the time to join me today, and how you doing? Man, I'm doing phenomenal sitting here, uh, you know, chilling, um, getting ready to go. Um, I'm excited to talk about the draft, excited to talk about everything uh, that's upcoming, and, uh, and I'm inspired, man, so I'm excited to get to it. That's awesome, man. Well, good to have you on once more. So we just talked about it. Nashville, Tennessee will be the host for the 2019 NFL Draft coming up really quick in you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, Jarrell, for all the NFL fans who listen in to the Pro Football Chase podcast, you were a highly coveted prospect coming out of Michigan State in 2012, and I just wanted to ask you how your pre-draft experience was, who you met with, how did the combine work, the pro day, just go ahead and give us a full nine yards of what you experienced as a draft prospect. Man, uh, the draft process was really fun, man. I mean, I mean, other than the combine, the combine can be stressful. 
um, just because, you know, there's so many, there's so many moving parts to the combine, um, you know, from weights to, to, uh, um, from weights to questions from, you know, as a, there's a slew of things, uh, but no, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things with the draft. That's very exciting. Uh, like I said, the combine is a lot of moving parts, but, um, you know, have an opportunity to meet so many, uh, prominent coaches, uh, Mike Tomlin, um, Bill Belichick, uh, um, I had a couple of official business with uh, with the Panthers, uh, Green Bay, uh, just being able to talk to those guys and, and um, get in the room with those guys and then, you know, have them pick their brains and you have, you know, you pick their brains is, uh, is definitely very exciting. Um, I think the the best part about the, the draft is, you know, I mean, obviously it's the skill set that's, you know, everybody's looking at. Um, but when you have an opportunity to get in the room and, you know, and get on the, the whiteboard and you show guys, you know, that you can understand terminology, you can understand defense um, and the language that they're speaking. I think that that's always uh, the most positive thing you can do when it comes to the draft. Now, Jarrell, there's a lot of people that ask these questions because, you know, throughout the pre-draft process, we have just regular meetings. You have the meetings at the Combine. You have the Senior Bowl, where you meet with some teams for maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And then, of yes, course, sir. you have the Top 30 visits, which is considered the most significant because those are the extensive sit-down interviews. So can you provide some more detail about what goes on in Top 30 visits and who you're discussing topics with and all that good stuff? Um. Well, you know, when, when you have a top 30 visit, um, number one, they fly you in. Um, it's very nice. They treat you very nice. Uh, you know, the guys pick you up at the airport, um, take you over to the facility right away. In most cases, um, you know, unless they're doing unless you fly in the night, you know, the night before you kind of get to stay at a nice hotel. It's really nice. But, um, you know, walking in day one, they, they just, you know, they ask you a lot of questions. Um, you know, they, they want to know your background. Um, a lot of coaches are, are very smart, man. They they, they want to know your personality. Um, I think that's the most important thing when it comes to choosing a player um, because, you know, personality is going to be um, displayed all the time more so than, you know, than talent. So, um, you know, getting a chance to feel for a guy and, and, and um, you know, being able to understand where he comes from, his background, um, his negatives and positives uh, mentally is, is definitely one of the most important things. Um, but they bring you in there, man. You have dinner. Um, you get a chance to meet, um, you know, great coaches, uh, strength coaches, uh, general managers, owners, yeah, if they're around. Um, and, and I think it's a definitely uh, it's just a fun, you know, a, a fun feeling. I mean, I mean, a lot of these guys um, that are in these uh, these top positions getting a chance to go on these top 30 visits. Um, it's it's exciting because, you know, you understand your potential you understand um, you know, the weight that's going to be on your shoulders um, heading into the draft. And, and you understand that, um, you know, these teams want to see you and these teams want to get to know you and they're interested in you. And so that's always exciting. Now, Jarrell, I have to ask you this question, man, because I've seen and heard some draft prospects that tell the media that they're asked crazy questions, man, just <laughs> random questions to see how they respond. Maybe it's keeping their composure. Do you remember any visits where you were asked some questions that were just out of the box? Man, so look, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little vulnerable for a second. So look, um in college my father got sick. Um and you know I wasn't a big drinker or anything like that. So 
uh, like one weekend I was dealing with stress. And so I ended up, I ended up smoking uh, marijuana. I got in trouble for it in college. And so, um, you know, the best thing about, you know, the draft process is because you can be as open as possible. You have to, you know, I mean, you most likely, you know, teams know, you know, your red flags, they know everything that's going on before, uh, you know, you, you, before they even ask the question, but they want to know your response. They want to know how, how you're going to, uh, you know, uh, overcome situations and, and they want to see if you're a better player from it. But unfortunately, you'll get guys in a room where, you know, they'll ask uncomfortable questions and they'll they'll try to put the hammer down on you. I think, um, you know, once I was in there with I was with the Redskins um, and their defensive line coach. Um, once I once I, I told him about my situation in college, I told him um, the reason that I went through uh, what I went through. Uh, my dad had a stroke. Um, and so I was just in a, like a really low place. And so I exposed it. And I told him, like, hey, this is, these are the things that, 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 uh, that happened to me in college. Um, this is the only, you know, negative situation that I've ever been through. Um, if you've asked anybody else around me, these are the only things that, you know, that have, uh, that have ever been a concern because, you know, that's happened, um, you know, when I was just at a low point, you know, mentally. And so, you know, when I was, when I was talking to him, and I, you know, and I was, you know, coming out and being open and honest before they even asked any of the questions about it. Uh, the guy was like, whoa, so you're, so you're a drug addict. And I was like, I'm like, oh, whoa, like, you know, and that's, you know, and, and, you know, your initial reaction is you can't really show, you know, that you're rattled by, you know, them throwing out a random statement like that. And so you have to respond in a way that's, that's also, that's professional, but you also, you have to respond in a way that, lets them know like hey like this is not going to be an issue for me or this is not going to be a problem or anything like that moving forward so he just kept asking like so i mean i mean how can we trust you if you i mean if you're a drug addict if you're not going to be a guy that's going to be uh how can how, how can we count on you if that's if that's what we know that it happens and i'm just and i was like well sorry you know honestly it's, it was just a one-time situation um i admitted to my head coach when i was in college um, you know, they understood how, you know, how me, how close me and my dad was, he was there all the time. And, and, uh, you know, for me to be in the middle of training camp and, and, you know, my father goes down with a stroke and I have to leave. It was just a whole, it was just a bad situation. And so, um, you know, I can, and for all the, you know, the prospects that have red flags or, or anything that they've had a situation where, uh, people might look at them differently. You just got to be open and honest about it. I think, you know, stand up, you know, and stick your chest out and, and understand that, um, you know, there's always room to grow. Um, I think, you know, from that situation, being able to be open and honest, it allowed me to to grow as a man. It allowed me to to kind of groom into the person that I am today because, um, you know, a lot of kids will shy away from that. You know, a lot of kids will kind of um, be uncomfortable in those rooms talking to those um, talking to the scouts and the GMs because, you know, there's, there's people that you see on TV. I mean, uh, I mean, there's, there's famous coaches all over the, the NFL. So, you know, when you're in the room with them, sometimes you can get starstruck. Sometimes you can feel uh, overwhelmed, but, you know, luckily we, we had a great agency, my agency and, uh, and Joe Siegel and Shabby Fields that um, just prepared me for those types of situations um, because definitely you can, you can go in there and be on the hot seat, man. And if you allow them to get under your skin, it could be very bad for you.
Wow, man, that's some pretty good insight there. And I was just curious because I've seen some prospects that have mentioned that some of these teams ask them some really odd questions. So I wanted to just oh, ask, yeah. ask you to see what your experiences were like in that pre-draft process. But now I think we can segue to some of these trending draft topics. So I kind of have a fun segment idea that's called Smoke or Legit. Because we know, Jarrell, there's all these smoke screens leading up to yes. the draft. You see reports about prospects sliding and prospects that are improving. And so I have some topics here highlighted that we're going to run through and we'll both explain as to why we believe they're legit or if it's a smokescreen. All right. Does that sound good? Uh, great. Great. All right, man. So here's the first one. The Raiders are really all in on Derek Carr despite their private workouts with Murray and Dwayne Haskins. Do you think that's a legit statement or is that a smokescreen? Um, I think that's a I think that's a legit statement, man. I mean, Derek Carr has shown flashes of being a very great quarterback, and I think you know with the time given, um, with the receivers that he has, he's definitely a, a guy that uh, that uh, that you can win a lot of games with. I mean, he's proven that before, um, you know. But I think you know with John Gruden and having those uh, those first round picks that he has. Um, and picking at number four, it just creates a lot of uh, frustration for the guys ahead of him as well as the guys behind him. So um, I don't think necessarily, um, you know, I think it, it causes frustration for guys who might want to take a uh, who might want to take a Nick Bosa, um, a Martez Sweat, um, an Ed Oliver at those at those top uh, top four positions. And so it just causes a little confusion for those guys up front. So I'm going to go ahead and oppose you here. I'm going to say that this is smoke. I know that Mayock and Gruden, time and time again, they've went up in front of the media and said, look, Derek Carr, he's a franchise quarterback. You know, we believe in him. We believe we can win with him. But then you see this extensive research going, and I get the whole narrative about the Raiders trying to drive up the price maybe of some uh, quarterback needy teams that are sitting there such as the Broncos, the Redskins. And so I can see the angle of the Raiders really giving an indication that they are indeed interested in a Kyler Murray or a Dwayne Haskins or whatever the case may be. But something just inside me, I have a gut feeling that the Raiders are really legitimately interested in selecting one of these top quarterbacks with the new regime, Mayock, Gruden. They're going to be moving to Vegas in 2020. And what better to have a new face of the franchise there under center. And then Derek Carr, I think they know very well that because of his salary being pretty reasonable compared to some other quarterbacks they're getting paid, I don't think they'd have a hard time finding a trade partner for Derek Carr. So I'm not going to say it's 100% certain that they're going to draft the quarterback. I just have a feeling that we could see Oakland target one of these quarterback prospects. I mean, yeah, it definitely uh, it definitely seems reasonable. Um, I just think that, you know, Derek Carr, man, I mean, everybody know, understands what he's able to do, um, you know, when he has uh, everything rocking and rolling for him. So, um, I just don't really necessarily see uh, them moving him right away. I think you know, having given one more year um, before move, if they before potentially moving him, 
But I just think that, um, you know, John Gruden wanted to go that way and, and you know, and draft a, a young quarterback that kind of he can mold and groom and, um, you know, and doesn't necessarily give him as much friction. I mean, because obviously Derek Carr's had success before John Gruden got there. So, I mean, obviously there could have been some friction within the organization and within uh, those guys and as far as their daily work, um, their daily work atmosphere. It could have been, uh, it could have been a little uncomfortable. But I just think overall – um, you know, moving Derek Carr before seeing uh, before seeing what he can do in his second year under John Gruden, I think that wouldn't be. I don't think that would be a smart move. All right, well, that's the first statement. Let's go to the second statement. This one gets really interesting, Jarrell, because this is a hot topic of debate for a lot of the Giants fans. Obviously, they have two first round picks, number six, number seventeen overall. It's a heavy defensive line draft. You know, Dave Gettleman. Loves his quote-unquote hog mollies, okay? So listen to this statement and tell me whether you think this is a legit statement or if it's smoke, all right? So the New York Giants will not draft a quarterback with their sixth overall pick. I don't, I think that's smoke. If, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Gettleman, if I'm those guys in, in, um, in New York, um, you have to, you have to, um, you have to be real with the with what's what's upcoming, and um, and that's Eli's departure. I mean, that's not going to be a, a easy uh, a easy ordeal for for them because obviously they're mostly connected to him. Um, and, but you know, if you're being a GM and you want to win long term and you want to uh, set yourself up for the next 10, 15 years uh, with a successor, you have to draft the quarterback at, at number six. I mean, there's a few of them out there that have the capabilities of pushing the ball down the field. Um, have capabilities of playing in that spread style offense in which the Giants like to run, keeping Eli in the gun a lot. And so, um, you know, understanding that you have a, a safe, a, a safe, uh, a safety net in, in, um, in Barkley. So if those guys can take a guy at, at number six, man, I definitely think it would bolster, bolster their team. Um, you know, with them saying they won't take a quarterback at number six, I, I definitely think that's a lot. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. And here's the thing, Jarrell. We've seen some mock drafts that have the Giants taking a quarterback with that second first-round pick, which comes in at 17 overall. And the thing is, we know that these quarterbacks, they're the drivers of the draft and how the first round shapes up, which is why I think we're going to see more trades into the top five that you may even be sitting there at six and you're Dave Gettleman and if you are indeed looking at a quarterback, shoot, they may have to trade up from six to land one of their, you know, prioritized quarterback prospects just because you have a team, a wild card team, such as the Cincinnati Bengals, who are there with Zach Taylor at 11, that have done some homework on some of these quarterback prospects as well, that could look to jump them, you know, maybe in the top five. So I think it would be naive to believe that the Giants would not take a quarterback with that first-round selection considering Eli Manning and his age. And we know Pat Shermer and Gettleman, they have voiced their support consistently on Eli Manning. However, I just feel like the time is now to take a quarterback, start grooming him to where he can eventually take over the reins in New York. Absolutely. I think, you know, with, when you look at this roster um, and you can see the way that they kind of dismantle, they uh, they really got rid of a lot of salary cap, a lot of guys that they paid. 
um, that they thought that were going to come in and have career years. Um, I think the Olivier Vernon uh, deal, uh, they'll definitely regret that one, giving him a lot of that money and, you know, him not necessarily living up to the hype. I personally think he's still a phenomenal player. I think he's going to shine in Cleveland. But I definitely think those guys uh, felt like they made a mistake with uh, with him. Um, Snacks, I think he's a phenomenal player interior-wise. But, you know, being able to unload all that cap space that they did um, and get a lot of young, fresher, uh, you know, minds and bodies in the, in the, in the organization is definitely where they want to go. And Eli is just the final piece of the puzzle when it comes to that. Um, you know, finding a successor for him, Finding a successor at quarterback position is tough anyway. Um, but if you have an opportunity to do it, um, you definitely you definitely want to do it now. Uh, with the type of team that you have coming back, there's a lot of young guys, um, you know, uh, filling the void of Eli uh, over the, after next year would definitely be a great thing that uh, would bring a lot of promise to the Giants. Um, but as you said before, man, they have to be on their toes, man. I think with uh, – with Cincinnati there at 11, um, as well as I'm not, I'm not sure, but the Miami Dolphins come into play as well for me, um, sitting at 13, as well as Washington at 15. So those guys need to be prepared uh, for anything that has to, um, to deal with the quarterback position, and they need to be prepared to make deals. Yeah, man, it's going to be really interesting to see how this whole quarterback situation shapes up. We know Kyler Murray looks like he's the number one consensus to go to the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury. And then from there, it's just kind of really uncertain with guys like Haskins and Locke. Where's he going to go? Daniel Jones is another name in the mix. So there's plenty to sort through, man. What was that? No, I was saying Daniel Jones' stock has been rising as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to see, man. I think we are going to see a big run on quarterbacks early again in the upcoming NFL draft. But here's the next statement right here. A recent report came out that LSU corner Greedy Williams will fall out of the top 15 due to some teams being concerned about his durability, his length at the position, and being able to be physical with some of these big receivers in the NFL. So this statement right here, is it legit or smoke? LSU corner Greedy Williams will drop out of the top 20 in the upcoming NFL draft. Um, I think that I think that's all smoke. Um, you know, when you turn on the tape and watch the kid play, you understand that he's uh, fully capable of doing everything that they asked him to do. Uh, you know, a lot of corners that come out of LSU, if you look at their track record, they've been successful. So, I mean, you can never, you can never doubt a guy's heart, doubt a guy's, uh, uh, you know, mindset when it comes to stepping onto the field. Um, you know, you're only able to press coverage for five yards in the NFL. So a lot of guys aren't as physical as you would think when it comes to uh, the physical, when it comes to being physical at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, but being able to read guys, being able to read routes, um, you know, quarterbacks and, and, and being able to get a jump on the ball is what he's going to necessarily have to, to focus on. Um, you know, tackling when called upon. I mean, a lot of corners don't always have to tackle, but, you know, tackle when called upon. And um, I think those are going to be the important measure, the important things for him. Um, but I don't see him. I don't see, you know, when you have a when you have a top LSU corner, um, they don't last till, you know, to the end of you know, the end of round one, you know, um, when we were in Buffalo and we, uh, we got Trey, um, I mean, it was, 
uh, it, it, I mean, it was kind of lucky for us, man. I mean, for us to, to be able to have such a good cornerback at that position to get him that late. And so everybody's pretty excited about it. And so LSU has always had a great track record in that regard. Yeah, and Greedy Williams, I'm going to say that smoke as well because this guy is a six foot two corner. He ran a four three seven forty. He has the closing speed. And you're right. You, you watch his tape. He allowed the lowest completion percentage in the SEC the last couple of seasons, All-American. And I can see, you know, where those concerns may come in with his stature and all that stuff. But based on traits alone, Jarrell, we know how traits can really get players overdrafted. I find it hard to believe that a team that's currently sitting in the top 15 would pass up a guy like Greedy Williams, especially if they're looking to solidify their secondary. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, uh, you know, if you're if you're looking if you're looking at a team, I mean, the Giants, um, they have a they have a 17th pick here. And I mean, they're definitely in need of corner at the cornerback position. Um, as well as man, the Raiders, bro, uh, you know, having those picks, uh, that they have, um, at 24, 27, I mean, they could easily trade up, uh, to get a corner cause they definitely need, they definitely need, uh, secondary help as well. I think we can both agree that we'll, we'll see him come off the board earlier than some of these NFL scouts have him on their boards, but here's another defensive player coming from the SEC Mississippi State defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons who suffered a torn ACL in training back in February and if you put that injury aside this is a prospect that was looking like a top 15 lock just because of how dominant of a player he was for the Bulldogs he started all 13 games 17 tackles for loss two sacks and really is just a force to deal with. Some teams still view him as a first-round pick despite that ACL rehab that he's going through. Do you think it's smoke that teams believe he will still go in the first, or would you say that's a legitimate possibility to see a guy like him who's battling an injury going in the first? Um, I think it's very tough. You know, um, when you look at the, the history, uh, the history is not necessarily on his side when it comes to drafting guys with injuries. Um, you know, but if you look at a success story, uh, you know, like the linebacker out in Dallas, um, those guys out there, um, Smith and, and what he's able to, what he's been able to accomplish from coming back from a major knee surgery um, to uh, leading a phenomenal defense. If you're a GM and you believe in, in the guys that you have in your circle, you believe in your, um, your training staff and your scouts and your strength and, and strength and uh, strength and conditioning program, then you can you can go out on a limb and make a make a selection like this because if the upside is greater than um, than the downside, then you have to take a guy like that. Uh, if he's if he's explosive and creative, um, you have to take a guy like that. But at the same time, though, this draft is so deep with defensive linemen. You, as a general manager, when it comes to the money situation, um, because money and finances all play a part in this thing too. So when you, if you, if you're a financial, if you're looking on the financial side and you obviously think that you can get a guy like this at a, at a second or third round, um, then you have to, you have to, uh, you know, consider that as well. Um, just because you wouldn't want to be paying a guy first round money. Um, and he won't be out there for the next, he won't be out there for his first year as well as his second year is already in jeopardy having already been a year behind. Right. That, that is a, a very valid point. And I think it also has to do with how much 
leeway that you're given as a GM. You kind of touched a little bit on it where some GMs are on tighter leashes than others and they cannot afford to make a gamble on a player who has an injury that, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, he's probably going to have to be placed on the physically unable to perform list, which is going to knock him out for the first six games of the 2019 regular season. So you got to look at his upside and all that is calculated. So I think that's a valid point from your end, Jarrell, especially you coming from the game. You play it so you can understand the business side as well. And I'm with you too. I think it's going to be very hard for a guy like him to get into the first round just because of the depth that's already there at the DT position. But again, phenomenal player. And I'm sure whoever will land him, if that's the second round, will be getting themselves a nice player. We'll keep an eye on that. But here's another one. And and this is an intriguing one because we know what's going on in Kansas City with Tyree Kill and the ongoing investigation about those uh, child abuse charges. We don't know anything more than that, but he's clearly under investigation, Jarrell. And on that note, there's been these reports surfacing out there by some Kansas City Chiefs beat writers that... They're seriously looking at Marquise Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma, the electric wide receiver, who, by the way, had foot surgery earlier in this pre-draft process and has really been unable to participate in any drills. But do you think that they are legitimately considering making a move for Marquise Hollywood Brown as insurance for Hill, or do you think that's just smoke? I mean, you can never you can never rule that out with Andy Reid. Uh, you know, being the offensive guru, guru that he is, he never he uh, and having played for him, he never can have enough pieces offensively. Like being in his program, being uh, and, and watching him work, he will take a guy that's on the practice squad who has the ability um, to make uh, plays, and he'll put him in specifically for just he'll he'll bring him up just for a couple plays within his within his offense. So. Um, you know, having a guy like uh, Hollywood Brown, I mean, watching his tape and down at Oklahoma and what he was able to accomplish, I mean, it was a, it was phenomenal. I mean, just, I, I mean, his big playability, uh, being able to stretch the field and uh, what he can do after the catch is uh, is very great. So um, I just think that, you know, if you're Andy Reid, um, you necessarily don't know what's going on with Tariq Hill. Uh, I mean, from my uh, from reports that I had got, that they were they were even fielding trade offers for him, you know, and I, you know, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of wild, but, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, if you have an opportunity to, to add to the already explosive offense and give, you know, Patrick Mahomes more weapons, I don't think that that's smoke at all. I think that that's a legitimate um, a legitimate statement and, a, and, a, um, and one that Andy Reid, I think, definitely take a look at. I think this is a real strong possibility for the Chiefs because, look, you know Tyreek Hill, whatever happens with this situation, it could be dropped. He could not be suspended. But then there's also the possibility where he could face potential league discipline. And the Kansas City Chiefs, they're not playing around this offseason, man. You're seeing Brett Veach get in there. He cut Eric Berry. He cut Justin Houston after trying to trade him, revamp the defense. So this is a team that is not afraid to make some of these big-time moves, such as getting rid of big players. They cut Kareem Hunt instantly as soon as that video surfaced. So I think them eyeing Marquise Brown, who's a guy that a lot of people expect to go in the middle of the first round, I can totally see Kansas City being aggressive, going to get him, because we also have to remember 
that they're on the hook with a fat contract of Sammy Watkins who struggles to stay healthy. And that was another talking point behind this whole rumor about Marquise Brown to Kansas City was that should they be able to land him in round one, that would give him options as to maybe cutting Sammy Watkins, trading him, giving him some more area to work with the cap as well. So this makes a whole lot of sense on that standpoint as well. Yeah, I mean, eventually, you know, whether it's this year or next year, uh, you know, Sammy being one of my close friends, they're eventually going to have to do something with his contract. Um, unless he just goes and gives him a, a, a straight 16 games. Like, if he's able to go out there and give him a 16 games, um, in the games he did play last year, he was electric. He was able to be able to push the field and take a lot of pressure off Tariq Hill because of the game, because he struggled in those games where Sammy Watkins wasn't on the field. So as Andy Reid takes a look at that, they're going to have to add, you know, continuously more weapons offensively in order for them to continue to be successful. And then um, when it comes to the finances, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I mean, after having already been in what his second year, um, second or third, I think it's, I think this is his third year coming up now. Uh, but having already having the richest contract in the NFL already being on the table for him, they're going to have to they're going to have to move some pieces around offensively. I mean, move some pieces around, um, you know, financially. And, um, you know, I remember being in Green Bay when, you know, Aaron Rodgers got the big contract and how we had to filter the rest of the team and, and how they kind of put a lot of money offensively. Um, you know, put a lot of money into the team offensively. And so we, I saw a lot of guys on our defense kind of depart. And it's just a part of the game. But, you know, I mean, with him coming up, they're talking in the range of $200 million. You're definitely going to have to clear some salary cap for him. Before we, we close out today's episode, I did want to ask your opinion, Jarrell, since you are a defense alignment in the NFL. And I know you're a defensive tackle, but one of the big talking points as well is, Who's the best defensive end prospect? And a lot of it has either been Nick Bosa or Josh Allen out of Kentucky. Which one of these two players would you rather have and why? Okay, so I think me personally, it all kind of depends on the scheme that I'm running. If I'm running that 4-3, uh, a regular uh, over front 4-3 scheme, then I'm going to take Nick Bosa um, just because he solidifies so many uh you know, points to that defense. Um, he's able to set the edge. We'll be able to put him to the open side of the field um, to be able to rush against, um, you know, their path, their their offensive tackles and things like that. Um, his motor and what he's able to do, uh, you know, after he makes contact with offensive linemen is is phenomenal. I mean, and if he's any shade of of how his older brother is, then I mean, you got You have a you have a guy that could potentially be a future Hall of Famer. I mean, these. The Bosa's are are just that good, and what they and what they uh, what they can accomplish is just phenomenal. But if you're asking me if I'm running a hybrid defense, uh, multiple looks, uh, three four, where you're having guys moving all around, uh, I'm going to take Allen because of the, the ability to be able to cover out in space um, and his speed uh, upfield against offensive linemen and what he's able to do, um, you know, with his get off is just phenomenal. So. It's kind of hard to say, man, because, you know, there's so many different, you know, teams out there that runs different schemes and fronts. Um, but, I mean, it, when it comes to both of those guys, I, I would technically have either one, um, depending on which scheme I'm running. But, I mean, they're, I mean, they're both phenomenal players, man. It's very, that's a very hard choice. But if I have to give you one, 
I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Nick Bosa just because of the productivity um, that he has. Uh, you know, 17 and a half sacks in, in 30 games is really good in college, especially coming in that Big Ten conference where there's a lot of good offensive linemen that come out of there every year. Um, and having those types of numbers and sitting out after the first couple games of his junior year is, I mean, you gotta, you gotta get the credit where it's due. I mean, if he plays a full season, his junior year, there's no telling what type of statistics he has. So if, if I had to, if I had to pick one, I would take Boston. Yeah, it's certainly a tough comparison there. And you make, of course, three, four, four, three. That would make a little bit different. I've been pretty consistent. I would probably prefer Josh Allen just by a hair, just because of his production coming out of the SEC and seeing how he's able to just dominate every single opponent that he had going up against him. But both of these players are phenomenal at their position. And I think the, the general expectation is that Bosa will be drafted first ahead of Allen because considering Murray going to Arizona at number one, San Francisco is reportedly very high on Nick Bosa, so we can expect him to go there. And then Allen shortly after, whether that be the Jets at three or the Raiders at four. So both excellent athletes. Just wanted to ask you to see where you stood on that conversation. But until then, man... I think we've touched on a lot of different topics and a lot of these trending topics that are going on with the draft so close up ahead, man. So I appreciate you again taking the time to join me, chat some more football. And as I always tell you, man, I wish you the best. And I know that the the right opportunity would come around for you soon. Man, I appreciate it, man. Um, God is good. and He's always going to continue to keep blessing us. Um, you know, we stay ready, so we never have to get ready. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm enjoying my time with my children. Um, I mean, my son is, he's, uh, he'll be five in two weeks. And so, I mean, it's a very exciting time uh, for us at home and, um, you know, just getting a chance to, uh, to work with them and see them and, and, and do everything with them. It's been phenomenal. Um, as well as helping my wife with this real estate, which is big out here in Georgia right now. So I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, man, if I don't if I don't get opportunity with, with football, man, I'm coming to work for you. Hey, man. Yes, sir. Hey, be ready, man. I'm about to pick up that phone and we'll get something launched, man. So for sure. That's why I like having you on, man. So I enjoyed chatting football with you and being able to uh, pick your brain and bring the player perspective. So uh, looking forward to it, man. And what's up ahead? Again, enjoy the rest of your weekend and, and enjoy those precious kids of yours, man. That's awesome. Man, I appreciate you again for having me on, getting a chance to talk about, uh, you know, the game that I love so much. Um, And uh, it's always a pleasure getting a chance to to talk about that stuff. So I I appreciate you having me on each and every time. All right, bro. Well, blessings and uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Take care, bro. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts 
to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.